I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Today, I am joined by Maureen Green-James, who is the Vice President of Global Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging. Maureen is absolutely one of the most inspiring people I know, and I'm so glad to have her on the show. Welcome, Maureen. Welcome, and thank you for having me, Romy. Exciting to be here. We're so excited to have you. To start out, can you tell us a little bit about your career journey? How did you begin, and how have you evolved? Sure. So, you know, I am I'm originally from New York. I now live in uh, Tampa. Me too. Florida. Yeah, <laughs> New York. So now I live in Tampa, Florida, but I started my career out in New York. I worked my way up from working as an HR assistant for a huge global insurance company. When I moved to Florida, I took a role with an organization that actually did termite and pest control, which everyone thought was kind of odd because it was really an opportunity to hone my skills as a regional manager in that role in the Southeast part of the country. And then I moved into banking and professional services in a number of ascending roles. So everything from HR leadership to working in talent acquisition, I've worked in learning and development. And then I had the greatest opportunity of all in an organization where I was allowed to really start to build my career in diversity and inclusion. And so that was really exciting because it was really putting me on the trajectory where I knew that I wanted to go, but wasn't really sure how to get there. And I would say that the right organizations and the right people and the right places came all together at the right time for me to be able to do that. What I like to think of as a very storied career because it's really moved in this trajectory of learning and great opportunity for me um, across a number of different organizations, really focused on our people, focused on building a culture of inclusion and where everyone really feels valued and respected and heard. And so it's been very rewarding thus far. And now I'm excited to uh, be with FTI Consulting. That's wonderful. And I imagine that the landscape has changed so much since you started your mm-hmm. career. By the, when you started, there probably weren't people in diversity roles. And last year, it was, I think, the most hired role, according to LinkedIn. Yes, um, that is true. Can you tell us a little bit about your observations? How has it changed? Yeah, so it's a great question. You know, when I started out just in, you know, the profession of HR in general, I mean, it wasn't even a topic. I don't even think I really knew what the words diversity or inclusion truly meant as it related to organizations and groups of people, right? I would say I knew it at a micro level. So I think that over the years, it has really evolved into something that, again, really infuses the culture of an organization and the engagement of the people within that organization. But it also, Romy, ties back to the communities in which organizations serve. That's such an important point. Yes. It absolutely is. And I don't think people really started to make that connection, even as we started to talk about things like sustainability, right? And so now those things, you know, kind of merge together because what is very important to people is not just about race and gender and ethnicity, you know, and people with disabilities. It's all of these things that 
again, really create a community for us to be mindful about how inclusion works in very different ways uh, in and outside of an organization. So I think that the differences before versus today are all of those things. And I will also say that last year really brought things to a head, to your point, right? It was the most hired role. So whether it was a chief diversity officer, a vice president of diversity and inclusion, whatever that looked like, last year was that pivotal role. What's interesting to me is that it took all of the things that transpired last year to finally get to the point where this truly is a true business imperative and the role that people play within an organization is so critical to how their brand is seen externally. And so I think that's part of the reason why it has become you know, such a much needed role and much asked for role, but there's still so much work to be done, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think also something that's interesting is that in your space, in this professional services space, diversity is not just important for you all internally, but it has an impact on what your clients think about you and even whether you, you win business, correct? It absolutely does. You know, let's go back to July or June of 2020. We had all of these organizations who were coming out and, you know, CEOs and leaders within an organization making very public statements, right, about what just happened, what transpired, but then going so much further to say, here's what we're going to do about it. And it was very important for those statements to be made on a number of levels. One, certainly to make sure that the people internally within those organizations knew that there was going to be a focus, that this was it that they were not going to tolerate this any further. Consequently, the people within the organization, regardless of what your background was, also said, we're not going to tolerate this any longer. So it actually put pressure on the people within the organization to really do something. But the other thing about last summer is that organizations knew that their clients we're also going to be reading those same messages. So whatever statements they put out there on Twitter, on LinkedIn or wherever, they were also going to be looking at that to see if the people who they had relationships with were actually walking the talk. And we all know that in some instances, there were probably clients that were lost, but in some instances, there were also clients that were gained. And I think that is the most critical component to all of this. It's a growth of the mindset of the thinking of the knowledge that this business imperative must move further without question. Yeah. And I have to say, I know I am feel heartened about how many stakeholders in different areas are driving accountability toward real diversity, authentic diversity right now yes. in 2021. Yep. I love the fact that you use the word authentic, right? Because it's not one of those things where things where it's a once and done. Like you don't put something out there and then you say, okay, well, we're done. And you don't go back to business as usual, right? Business as usual today is all of the things as an organization you said you were going to do yesterday. That is the new business as usual. So that translates to authenticity and it translates to the leaders in an organization and all of its people really doing the good work together. Absolutely. So let's go back to you and your career growth. How did you interact with other women throughout your career? Did you find mentors? Did you find sponsors? How do you think those impacted you? It's a good question because I think that mentoring gets such a 
almost a bad rap because people don't necessarily know the difference between a mentor and a sponsor, right? So the mentor is going to be somebody that either reaches out to you, but even better, you reach out to them to say, you are the individual that I would love to be able to engage with on a regular basis because I see some of the things that you're doing. I'm watching you. I see some of the things you're doing. And I want to be able to not walk in your shoes, but understand how you do what you do to get to where you are. And then sponsorship is when you have people who are pounding the table for you, who are talking about you in a good way when you're not in the room, and who are really positioning you in front of other individuals to say, hey, I don't know if you're aware, but Romy is doing some fantastic work with this client. And I think we should take your publicist, your publicist. You, oh my gosh. I love that. They really are your publicist. And a lot of times you don't even know it, which makes it even sweeter. So I have had those people in my life. I have had people who mentored me one because I asked for it, but two, because they saw something in me and thought, you know what? Let's have a conversation. Simple. Let's have coffee. Uh, There was one person that I reached out to and actually asked him to be a mentor to me and my reasoning for it. And I said this to him, bold faced, because we are complete opposites. Wow. That was so smart. Yes. He was a white man. He's a leader in the IT function at an organization that I worked at previously. And we had actually butted heads on some things in some meetings in front of others for a period of time. And something in me said that there's something that I can learn from him. And it wasn't easy for me to approach him to actually ask the question. But when I did, he was so receptive. I mean, so receptive, so open to it. And I'm no longer with that organization, but we are still in touch today. And it's a testament to the fact that if you don't ask for what you want, you're not going to get it. And so to your whole point around, you know, how mentors have helped, That's one of the ways you have to ask for it. And I'd also like to add that it's important to me because I recognize how important mentors were to me. It's important to me that I am reaching by my side or with both hands and taking somebody along with me because I always recognize and get here by myself. And so I shouldn't expect that anybody else should do the same. Got to give back. And I know from the time we've spent together what wonderful advice you provide. So my question to you is, a lot of our audience is asking, how do I seek out mentors? What's the best way to do that? What what advice would you give? I love this idea of finding somebody different than you. But if somebody wanted to get time from you, what's your advice to them? So I'm probably, I'm very open to giving of my time, probably to a fault, right? But I am because... I am very self-aware, Romy, and so I know where I've needed it, where I've needed somebody to kind of slap me and say, "Mm -mm, that's not the way to go. And when people come to me and whether they ask me or not, if I know that they're coming to me just to ask for some general advice or counsel on something, I will always give it to them and I will always be authentic. And that is typically how I end up with individuals who are almost informal mentees, because it's not like there was a conversation that happened that said, can you be my mentee or can I mentor you? It was one of those things that just happened organically. So what I would suggest to one, like I'd mentioned earlier, reach out to somebody who's completely different from you because they have attributes and qualities that you're seeing because that's what happened. I was watching him from afar, um, even though we're butting heads close together. (laughs) 
Um, but reach out to people who are not like you and who come from a different background and experience because it really opens you up to having broader perspectives about the people and colleagues you work with now and you will in the future. And the other thing I would say is just to be bold and to be self-aware yourself, to know when in fact you need something, when you need somebody to kind of slap you in the face and say, "Mm, no, that's not the right way to move here. Yeah. I think having that sort of mirror, (laughs) this external mirror to look in makes a huge difference. It really does. Especially because we don't know what we don't know. (laughs) You really don't. And sometimes it takes somebody else looking at you who is being self-aware almost for you. So that mirror to say, yeah, I need to talk to you. I need to pull you aside because I want you to be successful, but here's what I see you doing. And now let me help you think about how to do it differently. Yeah. Tell us about a mistake you've made and Mm. what did you learn from it? Yeah. So mistake I've made, I've made a lot. I think the biggest mistake I've made, I share this story whenever I'm speaking to groups who ask similar questions. In a previous organization, I was invited to an event and I was happy for the invitation, but I also really did not want to attend. I just, it was after hours. My children were much younger. I had a lot of things you know, going on at work, home, and I wanted to get home and do whatever I need to do with my family. So I get that. I've lived that. I know you have small children, so I'm sure you get this often. And so you're often conflicted with, do I go? Do I not go? So I made the poor decision to not go. And so at the last hour, I declined. And it was a big event of, you know, some of the HR leaders coming together. So the next day, I walk into the office and I run into the person who invited me to the event. And let me just say before I share that part, I really thought that no one was paying attention to me. Like if I wasn't there, no one would miss me. Right. I was good. I walk into the office building, I'm standing in the elevator lobby, and he walks up to me and says, Maureen, good morning. We missed you last night. Okay. I almost didn't know what to say because it did not occur to me, Romy, that anybody, much less him, was paying attention to the fact that I wasn't there. A lot of people, probably around 50 or 60 people invited. Who's going to notice little old me? And when he said that, it was like somebody gave me a shot in the arm. Like, oh my gosh, I've just made a major faux pas. And that is, don't ever assume that people aren't paying attention to you. You cannot do that. I love that though. I mean, how much more gravitas does that give everything we're doing? I know, (laughs) everything. And so everything that you do, everything you say, you've got to be mindful where you are, wherever you are present, truly be present. And when you get those invitations, if you can, by all means, be there. And so that changed everything for me. I made sure that I could be front and center, not only wherever he was, but wherever I knew that it was really important for me to be. And what's interesting is, long story short, a few years later, I went to work for him, not once, not twice, but three different times. Did you ever tell him that story? We talk about it all the time. I've always wanted him to recognize the impact that that had on me. And he always laughs and he always says, yeah, you just needed a kick. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. That's great. So I feel like that's actually a good moment to pivot and talk about our new weird virtual working world. And I think one of the things we hear from our audience is that a lot of us feel like, how does our work get seen? We're all working harder than ever before. Yeah. And yet, does anyone know, is this a tree falling in the forest? 
Do you have any recommendations about how to help make sure our work is seen in this context? That's a really good question. So I think you have two sides of the coin, right? I think you have people on one side who think, well, I'm working in the same way that I was before all of this. And so people will just inherently know. And then you have people who are concerned that because this is so new to them, they've always been in an office, people have always seen them, that they have to do everything under the sun you know, with the exceptions of, you know, an airplane with a sign on attached to it flying by. And I think that you have to think about how do you merge both, right? So I'll use myself as an example. I started my tenure with FTI Consulting last September. I went through the entire interview process without ever seeing anyone face-to-face in real time. And today I have a team of five. I work with a fabulous team, a fabulous HR team. I mean, everybody here is just great, but I've never seen any of them. Such a new world. It's a very new world. I almost feel like I am, and I think we all are, we work a lot. We work much harder. Part of it is because we are virtual and we don't know when it's time to get up and grab something to eat or take a bio break. We, we just don't even think about it. But the other part of it is, I think in this space, we're almost given the opportunity to really think more about what it is that we're doing and think about it in different terms. We don't have the ability to run to the office next door or to the cubicle next door to say, hey, I got an idea. I want to run this by you. You really have to think about that and put it down on paper, whatever, to kind of synthesize it. And then you ping somebody and say, hey, got this idea, right? So it it almost is a thing that's giving us more permission to really think more boldly and do things in a different way that allows us individually to be seen as collaborative with our teams, to be seen as those bold thinkers who have, you know, innovative thought leadership. So I think we need to come at it from that perspective of really thinking about what can we think about in this space, recognizing we can't just run to the person next door and, you know, have a quick ideation session. Let me think about this. I love it. And in this moment is so ripe for disruption in the business world because everything's changing. So it's a great time to put forth that idea of how to do things in a new way. So the other thing that we hear about this virtual working world is that it doesn't seem to end. It's harder than ever to have a work-life balance. How do you manage it? So, and that's what I was alluding to when I said, get up, take a bio break or, you know, grab some lunch. It's not easy. My schedule is kind of like I go to get my workout on very early in the morning, like 5.30, come home, get dressed, ready for camera. And then I start digging into the work probably sometime between like, I don't know, 7.30, 8 o'clock. And then if I, this is really sad, if my husband actually doesn't text me and say, hey, I'm bringing lunch home or would you like something to eat? Then I don't even think about it. I know I'm hungry, but I don't even think about it. And so what I would say is you almost need to block time. I mean this in all seriousness. You need to block time in your calendar to do whatever it is that allows you to really decompress. It could be 15 minutes, but make the effort to make the time because if you don't, everything in you will be put into your screen and your keyboard working. And before you know it, it's eight o'clock in the evening. And so I would say you have to make the time. So I may not be good about making the time for lunch. I'm really not unless again, you know, he's on the way home. He's like, do you want something to eat? And even then it's like three o'clock, but I am always really good about between 
I would say 6.30 and 8 o'clock, taking a break, spending some time just to chat about our day. And then I kind of get back to work for a couple more hours and then I'm done for the day. So it does take a lot out of you. But again, you got to set the parameters and, you know, make sure that you're making that time in your day. Absolutely. Kudos to your husband for bringing you lunch. I love yeah, that. Yeah, he's really <laughs> awesome. All right. So I'm going to give you our fun questions now. Okay. So the first one is, Maureen, what is your favorite karaoke song? Oh, my gosh. Respect. Oh, what a great song. I love yeah, that song. I love it. Absolutely. It makes me go crazy every time. I, whether I'm doing karaoke, like at a karaoke bar, or I, or I just hear it, it's the one that makes me dance and love that. When I was young, I wanted to grow up to be one of Aretha Franklin's backup singers. <laughs> That's awesome. So you talked about working out in the morning. What's your favorite way to practice self-care? When you think about self-care, what do you go to? Exercise really is my go-to because anybody who's worked with me for a long period of time knows that when I don't get that in in the morning, I'm pretty grumpy. And <laughs> it's really not, they don't know that yet about FTI, but they'll figure it out. Now they will. Um, yeah. <laughs> my previous role before coming to FTI, you know, I would get on a call and someone inherently would ping me and say, you didn't get your workout in this morning, did you? Like they would just know. And you know, that's when I would realize, okay, that's a problem. I have to do something. So just begun the art of journaling. Oh, wow. And so yes, taking me some time to get there. So I will do that in the morning. If I have the time and if I actually remember to do it, I'll do that after I exercise. If I don't exercise, I'll still try and remember to do that. But you have to put those practices into place to really help you balance, right? Because to your point, everything has changed and we are just so on all the time and we need to give ourselves permission to turn it off. Yeah, absolutely. And center and kind of like yes, rebalance. Yeah. Yes, all of that. Who is a celebrity you'd like to have dinner with? A celebrity I'd like to have dinner with is unfortunately no longer alive. And that's Maya Angelou. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. So I've adored her for forever. My very first book from when I really started to engage in reading, it was probably about 12 and aunt gave me a copy of I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, and I've never heard of it. And I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> and I read it, and then that was it. Like, that was the beginning of the love affair, because I think she was so dynamic, so prolific. And I don't even think she knew it. I don't even think she recognized her power until much later on. Yeah, I'd just love to talk to her. That's interesting, by the way, yeah. given what you set your story about the dinner. <laughs> yes, exactly. She exactly. was you. You were her. She, it, kudos to you for making that girl. <laughs> I love that. I don't think she really, she had a clue until many, many years later. And I'd love to just go back and hear from her, not from her books, but truly hear from her around that evolution kind of got to that place. Yeah. Absolutely. So to that end, I'm going to ask you to recommend a book. I think we already have, I know why the caged bird sings. And actually I have yeah. not read that in years. So you're making me want to go back and reread. It's Any one of those books? things that's an easy reread if you do it. Yeah. yeah. Any other books you would recommend? It's a book called Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh, that is a good one. Did that's you read a it? great book. Yes. Amazing. So I'd never heard of the author. I think I saw it on, it was on the New York Times bestseller list. I'm a reader. And I picked it up and I couldn't put it down from the beginning to end because it's written so beautifully. 
The story is phenomenal. And the author really made me feel like I was in that place. And sometimes being able to transform yourself away from a different to a different period in time in this crazy world is very necessary. Yeah, that's a little uh, self-care too, especially because we're not transporting yes. ourselves anywhere else. <laughs> exactly. We're going nowhere. So very true. But yeah, that's definitely one of my favorites. The other book I would recommend is The Audacity of Hope by uh, oh, yeah. Barack Obama. That was a really, really good read. One, another one of those ones that you read again and then put down afterwards. And then a year later, you may want to go back to it. And some of the optimism that we all need at this difficult moment. Oh, yeah, for sure. So Maureen, we have a tradition at Very God Boss. Mm-hmm. It's our observation that women just aren't as comfortable talking about our achievements or bragging. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you to tell us about some of your achievements. Okay. So you're right about that. So I'll start with this quick story. So the other day I was watching Good Morning America and Denzel Washington was on there. Robin Roberts is interviewing him and she asks him about himself because he had this movie coming out and he immediately launches into sharing all of the accolades and achievements about his children. Wow. And that would be me. Yeah. So I don't necessarily like to talk about, you know, where I've been, what I've done. I think that you can, if you engage with me, then you already see that, you already know that. But I love to talk about my kids. And so well, we want to hear about them. Tell us. Yeah. I think my kids are phenomenal. So we have a daughter. She's a news reporter for the CBS affiliate in Des Moines, Iowa, and she's doing some fantastic reporting, particularly for uh, Black History Month. And then our son is actually in his last year of college, and he is a dual major musical performance and public relations major. And I'm just proud and excited for them and their careers in the future. And I see them as ours. So my husband and I, I see them as our greatest achievements. And I think it speaks to how hopefully well we have parented them, but also how much they have learned from the tribe that's always been around them. So their grandparents, other family, other good mentors that they have in their lives that aren't my husband and I. So yeah, those are my greatest achievements. I love it. And it is. Congratulations. It is incredible. Thank you. And a testament to you. So Maureen, it's been incredible spending time with you today. Before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you if there's just one last piece of advice, what is the main thing you would want our audience to know? I don't know if you know this, but I am a collector of really good quotes or quotes that inspire me. One of my favorites is a quote from Alice Walkers, who's the author of The Color Purple. And she says, the most common way for people to give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. And I love that quote because I think it's all of the reasons why we have people, you know, particularly this is women, right, who think that they don't have power, so they don't ask for that promotion, or they don't ask for that increase in salary, or even the salary that they like when they're interviewing for a job. And so they don't get any of it. So because your thoughts are really the things that create the actions, and then actions have consequences. So if you don't ask, and I think I said this earlier in this discussion, if you don't ask for something, you're not going to get it. And you're not asking because you think you don't have the power. So I would say, always know that you have the power, but you have to use your voice to put the power to work. That would be my greatest advice. Maureen, this has been incredible. And I think that's a wonderful note to bring it all together. I love that quote. 
You have more power than you know. You're more visible than you think. So use that power and we can use it to advocate for ourselves. We can use it to advocate for each other. Absolutely. Every day. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Romy. It's been a pleasure as always. I really appreciate this. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy Godboss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.